passages of Scripture um, that I'd like to get into. And Bishop, I really enjoyed First John on Wednesday night. I blew his phone up later about it, but uh, um, as much as I question when we're doing things on Wednesday night, uh, I'll be like, wait, God, I don't want to dive into anything that Bishop's teaching out of. I kept going to 1 John chapter 1, and I got 1 John chapter 1, and this ties back into um, John chap- or the book of John, so if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 1 or put your finger there. And then if you want to flip over to the book of John, chapter, chapter 20. And uh, I'm going to start out in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 26. We'll read there. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, got to take the kids on a, a quiz trip this weekend. Um, and... The preacher, he ended up not preaching, which seems to be the case when we go on this particular event. But just right, just right when you thought, hey, they're going to bring him to the platform, you saw all of a sudden, you just felt throughout the audience, all these little kids, you know, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, six-year-olds, God just began to sweep across them. And you saw their tears begin to stream down their face, and, and they begin to pour forward and just to worship God. I'm so thankful that it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. God cares about you. God cares about you. And I think that fits in very well here. John chapter 20, verse 26, it says, And after eight days, again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then, he say, then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. Oh God, speak into our lives. God, I ask you to strengthen and encourage, Lord. May somebody today choose to be free. Choose to be free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This passage here in the book of John chapter 20, and we'll be flipping over to First John here in a minute, but... Um, I can see John wrote both of these books, and he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the book of Revelation, and he wrote the book of John. And so he's here today, and, and he's, he's writing this, and you, you, you could just sense the excitement in John when he would talk about Jesus. Um, I know all the disciples were, were, should be excited and, and everything that he did and rising again, but when John would write, you know, there was just like this, this love that comes out of his writings, this this, uh, uh, if, you, if you could only see him, if you could only know him. And, and the book of 1 John um, is, is echoing that. When you open up there and, and, and 1 John begins to talk, and, you know, I had marked it over here because I didn't copy that over, and then I, put, I got it right there. It says, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. When John wrote that, I see him saying, the one we've handled, the one that you've heard about, the one that we've preached, the one that we've seen, oh, the word of life. Verse 3, he says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Oh, there was an excitement. John was saying, I want you to, to know this one 
called the Word of Life. I want you to know Jesus Christ. And we go back to the book of John and we see Thomas here. And Thomas had said, he had said, hey, you really mean he rose again? Really? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he, he came through on, on Easter Sunday. He walked through the walls. He came through. And Thomas is like, well, I wasn't there. I, what do you mean he came through? And, and I could have heard John saying, oh, you got to understand, Thomas. I, I ran to the tomb with Peter. And when we got there, those grave clothes that were laying right there, they were flat. And what did that mean? You know, when Lazarus came back to life, he came out of the tomb. And what did Jesus say? Somebody needs to unloose him. Somebody needs to take those bandages off him. They need to unwrap him. Do you know what did not happen to Jesus? There was no unwrapping. Why? Because in his glorified body, he passed right through the bandages. What was that telling us? Death, you no longer hold me. You no longer bind me. I've overcome you. Lazarus, you're going to die again one day. But Jesus... No, I have passed through those grave clothes. Oh, I'm no longer constrained by them. And John's saying, hey, Thomas, you got to understand. Those grave clothes were flattened. And the disciples were like, and just as he passed through grave clothes, he passed through those walls. He came into our midst. And Thomas is like, wait a second. (laughs) Really? Do you know what I've been through? They're like, we've been through it too. And I know all this isn't written in the book of John here, but you can sense where Thomas was at when he finally says, until I see him, until I can touch those nail-scarred hands, until I can put my hand in his side, until I can get a hold of him and say, are you for real? Did you leave me or did you come back? Until I can see that, I'm not going to believe. And yet the king of the universe, the one that said, let there be light, and there was light, said, okay, I'm going to walk through that wall another time. I'm going to come in your midst. I want you to get a little grasp of this. It amazes me every time that the king of the universe, the one that said, let there be light, walks in our midst and meets us face to face. I know I've repeated it enormous amounts of time over this pulpit. But that God would meet you. That God would, Dana, that God would come and say, Dana, I, I want to talk to you. That, that the story here of, of Thomas, um, back in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, um, Jesus had come into Jerusalem and there had been a seven-day feast and, and every day on that feast they would bring wine and water up to the, the, um, to the temple and they would pour it out. And, and at the end of the seventh day they no longer held this ritual. Um, it meant like the harvest was complete and everything was done. But on the eighth day, Jesus stands up. The eighth day of this feast when they would read the law, Jesus stood up and, and He said, Are you thirsty? If any man thirst, and he began to cry out, and he said, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me 
and drink. Oh, what I see out of here on Thomas is that Jesus was standing there that day. And it says, and after eight days again, his disciples were within. Oh, the significance of that was on the eighth day of the feast, Jesus stood up. And what he was saying that day was, I know everything's complete. I know your feast is over. But if somebody out there is still thirsty, I'm still here. The disciples saw Jesus on Easter morning. Seven days went by, and Thomas had never encountered Jesus. But on that eighth day, Jesus said, I don't care if everything in your world you would say is complete. Thomas, I'm still here. And I created the universe. But I've walked through that door just to see you. Oh, Brother Kennedy, you weren't able to be here this last weekend when we had revival service. Oh, some of you others weren't here this last weekend when we had revival service. There was a mighty, great move of God. Oh, God poured through this place. And that was eight days ago. Eight days ago, he touched the mind. And eight days ago, he touched uh, your fears. And eight days ago, he, he touched forgiveness. And eight days ago, he brought repentance. Eight days ago, he healed of sickness and disease. Eight days ago, he restored faith. Oh, but the eighth day, Jesus is saying, I'm still here. I'm right here. I don't know where you were at eight days ago. Oh, but I've come to walk through your doors. And it wasn't just for them. Oh, but it's for you. When, Ta when Jesus said, then he saith to Thomas, reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, only believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord. And my God, oh church, I've been there before. The cloud of frustration and, and, and disappointment and disillusion overwhelmed my mind. I could hardly remember the blessings of God in my life. And yet I would get down. Anger got a hold of me and frustration and, and depression. And, and then God comes in and you begin to see him. You feel his touch. And he walks by everybody else in the church. I know he was talk, touching you and talking to you. But he walks in directly to me. It's happened in the closet of my home. And then he reaches out that nail-scarred hand. And all I can say is, my Lord and my God. Oh, church, you may not see him in the physical with your eyeballs. But if you'll close those eyes today, you'll see him in the spirit. Jesus is here today on the eighth day of the feast. And you can begin to reach out. Can we do that just for a moment? My Lord and my God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Jesus told him, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Oh, Peter said the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. I want you to understand that Jesus of this great book, this holy Bible, 
was not just regulated to the apostles. The outpouring of His Spirit, His miracles, signs, and wonders, and His appearing to them was not just regulated back to the first century church. Oh, but it is the eighth day in our lives. And God has come for you. Oh, this is that which was spoken up by the prophet Joel was intended for this church of Omaha. It was intended for the church of North America and it is intended for the world. That was only the beginning. And so we told him, blessed are they that have not seen yet believe. Oh, I want to take that just a step further. I don't know what move of God you're looking for in your life. But blessed are they that have not seen it yet. But believe. Oh, I want somebody to get an understanding. Your future is not bound up by what the devil tells you. You do not need to believe the lies and the doubt that proceed out of the one that is the father of all lies. Oh, God holds your future. And if he would walk through a wall to meet one person, he's telling you, I have walked into this church to meet you. Oh, no wonder John wrote all those years later, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Oh, that was Thomas. Oh, he's right here. Oh, I saw him. Oh, he's right here, and he's in our midst. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us. Oh, I'm so excited about Jesus. There is nothing else in this world that will save, deliver, and heal but Jesus Christ. There is no amount of deliverance from depression. Oh, there's no amount of deliverance from addiction. There's no amount of deliverance from, from, from all the, the things you've gone through even as a child. Except from Jesus Christ. Now, I understand we go through processes. We have to learn things. You know what? That's because it was God intended. God intended for you to learn how to live right. I, I speak this from experience. Um, I don't know if my mom is listening today or not, uh, but God used her mightily in my life. God had her go through experiences, and, and she went through depression and, and uh, even a nervous breakdown. And she would wonder, why am I here? And God took her down paths and, and through that was able to teach her son, you know what? God is still there. God was able to teach me that He works through processes of healing and He changes our thinking and, and He walks us down paths of forgiveness. Because sometimes what we would do if we were just given the keys to the car right away we would walk around with our head up high and we'd be like, that Lamborghini? Yep, Dad gave that to me. And somebody else over here didn't get a silver spoon in their mouth. And they're struggling and they're trying to make ends meet. And your response would be, didn't you just trust God enough? Did you trust God to walk you through the process? Did you trust God to hold on, even as we talked about earlier, Sister Powell, for 20 to 23 years? 
Did you trust God? God's saying, hey, are you willing to go with me no matter how long it takes? Are, are, who am I to you? It, your dad who just gives you out presents? Or am I in relationship with you? you know, I, I want to just touch on that for a moment. You know, God's our Father, and He created us. He spoke this world into existence. That's why He's the Father of everything. He made it. He's the Creator. And so we have a relationship with our Father because He's our provider. But the King of Glory, from the very beginning, before He created anything, said, I want to bring salvation to you when you walk out on me. When you leave me... Adam and Eve, and you choose to delve into sin, I still love you and care about you, and I'm going to reach you. And to do that, God had to take on our sinful humanity, and he became our brother in salvation. Because he, how, how is that? He walked among us. He also had human flesh, God incarnate, God as a man. He felt the pains. He felt the struggle. We celebrated it that this last week. And then he died on the cross, and he, came, and he was buried in the tomb, and he was resurrected. And so because of that, we partake in salvation. And we, when we're baptized in his name and filled with his spirit, and, and he pours into our lives, and we talk a new talk, and we walk a new walk, we now are born again, and one day we're still in this human flesh, so God every day is keeping us going with us, and we still have to make a decision every day. But one day he's going to glorify this body. And through salvation, he was our brother in salvation. So he's our father in creation and provision. He's our brother in salvation. But you know what he wants to be? He also describes the church as being the bride of Christ. You know, my children, they're at home right now, and, and I love my kids and they love me, but one day they're going to grow up and move out. Brother and Sister Powell, you know this bishop very well. And they call back sometimes. And Brooklyn has a brother, and I think she loves her brother. I think that usually goes that way better than the other way, I think, right? No, brothers, they love each other. And I don't know how often they talk, but they've got separate lives. They somehow both made it to St. Louis, but that wasn't by choice because my sister lives there. You know, and and you guys have siblings. You get this, right? You guys have separate lives. God is your provision. And God is your salvation. But don't stop there because he calls you his bride. And you know what I do with my bride every day? I live with her. I walk with her. We talk to each other. If we're apart, it's not intended to be apart long term. Oh, we're in relationship together. We live this life together. We're going to go through it to the end together. Oh, and that's what Jesus wants for you long term. Yes, he's your provision and he's your salvation. But he's saying, I'm not with you just to come back and give me something. Oh, I want to walk with you every day. I want to be in your ear. Oh, I want to look at a situation. I'm not here as dad saying, go clean up the room. I'm saying, hey, we got a house to clean, guys. We got company coming over. So you know what happens when you, uh, somebody walks into this church or you meet somebody at Walmart or you're talking to your neighbor and God is looking to fill them with the Holy Ghost? It's both of you together. 
God isn't just giving you some instruction and order. That's what he did to servants. That's what you find with your children who are compared to slaves or servants. They're not slaves or servants, by the way. But, but while they're still under you and under tutors, they're kind of like that. You're like, go do this. But with your spouse, you work together. And you're like, Jesus, look at the struggle of my neighbor. Oh, Jesus, look at Brother Kennedy over here. I, I, you need to move. He's like, I'm right on that. Let's take care of this. Oh, 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 Bishop, he has a struggle. Hey, let's get together. And you begin to pray. And you call on the name of Jesus. Oh, and he's right there. And he says, I know I care. And I love. It's relationship. Oh. Oh, I didn't have that part written down. But God, it's this word of life that we've seen and we've heard and we declare unto you. We declare unto you. You know, John is writing 1 John. I can see all this excitement he comes from out of the book of John. And so he's writing these words here. And I'm going to be going clear through the entire chapter of 1 John. But um, he says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that also that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Before I leave that point, you will not find hope, healing, and salvation anywhere else. It's all short term. You may work something out with the counselor. You may work out a problem and know how to handle things better in life. But you'll never get that inside hope, joy, and healing until you reach your, your creator, your salvation, and the one that wants to be with you forever. And he says, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Oh, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not have the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't normally read whole chapters to you. This one's very short. But I want to talk to you because John was writing to these people, and they had a sense. Gnosticism, if I said that word correctly. Um, but they looked at it all, and they looked at this flesh. And they said, this physical, this thing's corrupt. Does anybody agree with that? Yep. And you're not changing this. And that's just the way life is. And the spirit, that's pure. And that's the thing you can't see. That's light and that's pure. And, that's, and what John came and said, first I want to tell you that that pure light is Jesus Christ. 
the one that we've handled, the one that we've seen, the one that we went three and a half years with, the one that walked through the walls, the one that hung on the cross and rose again. Oh, he is light. And in him is no darkness. And then he begins to tell them, you can't have fellowship with him. But if you say that you're with God and you walk in the flesh and you live this filthy lifestyle, you can't have it both ways. You can't say I'm with God and live in sin. Oh, you, you can't do that. But then he gives us the great news. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, oh, his son cleanses us. Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You Gnostics, hear me today. You that think life is hopeless for this flesh and it's just going to be sinful and corrupt. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be corrupt the rest of your life. Do you know what? I can walk down the street and have pure thoughts. And you can walk down the street and you don't have to go back to your addiction. Oh, we have our... Um, the AA meetings, right? And the 12-step meetings. And as I was thinking about this message today, I wanted to say, you know what, guys? Hi, my name is Lucas. I'm not putting down any one of those meetings. I appreciate them. But there's one thing about those meetings that I've learned is what you're doing is you're recognizing your condition. You need to recognize your condition, and that's what John's saying here. If you say, hey, I don't have sin, Understand we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we need to see our condition. When you lie to yourself and you say I don't have uh, temptations and I don't have struggles and, and, and I'm not wicked and I've never done anything wrong, you're counting out the ability of God to save you. You're putting it to the side. Church, you, I don't care if you live for God for 45 years. You need to understand that this flesh is still flesh. And it is tempted, and the enemy likes to play on that and to come after it. And, and, and so you need to recognize that because if you say, I have no sin, you're, you're lying. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so we got to be honest with ourselves. That's what you do in those 12 steps. you got to say, hey, this is my, my situation. But then the thing I've seen from those 12 steps is that you're recognizing that I still have this struggle and every day I've got to fight the same struggle. That I'm not, in my view, really overcome it. I just haven't gone back into it. So let's say I was an alcoholic. I haven't touched alcohol for 20 years. But if I make one wrong decision today, meaning like I walked this way, I don't mean like I actually went in the bar and picked up the beer, but, but if I just let my guard down ever so slightly, I've got to keep it in my mind. I'm an alcoholic, and so I can't touch that. I'm an alcoholic. Don't go buy that. Don't go buy it. And, and you've got a little bondage right here. But when we encounter Jesus Christ, he cleanses us from all sin. He washes us, and he makes you overcome. You don't have to go back to your sins and when he sets you free from your addiction, you're no longer bound by that. You're not every day saying, Hi, I'm Lucas Kirkpatrick, and I'm a recovering whatever that is. 
Instead, you can stay today. Hi, I'm Lucas Kirkpatrick, and I choose to be free. I choose to be free. Oh, why? I have a flesh that's sinful, and I sinned. Oh, but I came to Jesus Christ, and I repented of my sins, and His light flowed through me, and He took every bit of corrupt sinfulness, and He changed it, and He cleansed it, and He healed it. Hallelujah. He cleansed me, and He washed me. And you know why He did? Because I was willing to confess it. That's why He says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I like that verse because I preach it to you about, hey, did you mess up today? And that applies. But John really applied it in John chapter 2 to us, the church, when he said, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, he have an advocate with the Father. Previously there, he was addressing the fact that we say we have no sin, that that. The truth is not in us, but if we confess, if we be honest. Oh, I want you to understand. If you will make honesty be a core pillar in your life, God can always, will always keep you and deliver you. So I don't know what it was like for last Sunday for the rest of you. I had a great church. I also had a hospital visit. That's right. Um, we did have the kid that ate candy, so I wasn't here for the entire service, but I did make it in my sweatshirt. Um, but we had great church last weekend, a mighty move of God. But I want to tell you this week, eight days later, put truth in your life. Be honest with God every day. And when a battle or a struggle comes against you, because they come, when you are honest with Jesus Christ, he can then say, okay, I'm the propitiation. I'm the deliverer. I am your forgiveness and your healer. Oh, the devil would like you to think that one time repentance and baptism was it. Hey, I came through that, but now I messed up. I can't. No, I'm still here. I'm still here. He would like you to think you're bound up and you can never go back. But what Jesus did is he set us free from sin. And he restored our ability to choose. And I choose to be free. I choose to be free. I thought, thought of that song. I'm, once again, I'm not going to try to sing it. I choose to be free. I choose to be free. Oh, John, what he was telling us here. That which we've was from the beginning, which we've heard, with which we've seen, with our eyes. Oh, we declare him unto you. When Jesus came into our lives, he walked through our doors. He brought freedom and liberty. And today, you still have that choice. You can still choose. Every day when you get up and you go to your job... Or I like to pull out the cell phone, and when you're sitting there at night, you have a choice to make. And you can either choose life or you can choose death. And Jesus Christ gave you the ability to be free. Could, could we stand to our feet in this place? 
I know it's early. But I feel the presence of God here. You know, the devil would like you to think that you were born into sin. Or he'd like you to think that you returned to the vomit and that you have no choice. But Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, has brought you freedom. And I choose to be free. It's a decision that you have to make. And so I just want to remind you today, be honest, be truthful. Recognize your sinful flesh. Recognize your weakness. And then I want you just to tell it to Jesus. Because He's here right now. And and you say, well, last week I, I got so blessed, I understand. And and I don't know that I have a church that's full of people who, who've sinned all week. I pray you haven't because we were overcoming. But we're going to new levels in Jesus Christ. God has put purpose and calling on you. And you're not staying back here. But you're being honest with your weaknesses. And you're trusting Him to take you every step of the way. Where you lead, Lord, I'll follow. Oh God, I'm not going to be somebody that stops at the place of forgiveness, repentance, and infilling of the Holy Ghost. But Lord Jesus, you have a city to reach, and you've set me free, and I'm freeing you. And I'm going to spread the gospel, and I'm going to preach the message. Oh, and yes, when or if I fall down, I'm getting back up. Why? Because I'm honest with my Father. I'm honest with I'm Savior. I'm honest with the lover of my soul. Oh, so if we could do that right now, if we could just reach our hands towards heaven, I would like you to be honest with Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are my God and you are my King. Lord, and you have called me and you have picked me up. You've washed me, oh God. You've washed me of my sins. Oh, Lord Jesus, Oh, you see the struggles that those would have in this place. God, you know, Lord, the things that that they've gone through, oh God. Lord, you know what some maybe went back to this week. I, I pray they didn't, but God, someone maybe returned to a struggle. But Lord, you're reminding them today that you've set them free. Lord, there's someone that you've put a calling in their life. Oh God, and they're not bound up anymore by their inability to speak. Oh God, they're not bound up anymore by the past that you delivered them from. And so Lord Jesus, we declare to you that you are our healing, that you're our deliverance, that you're our calling, our salvation, and our hope. And we choose you today, oh God. We're choosing to be free. Oh, we're not listening to lies anymore of the devil. We're not listening to lies of inadequacy. Oh, God, we choose to be free. Can you go ahead and just begin to tell him that for a moment more there? Moment more. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I choose you. I choose freedom. Give him your love. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you our love, Jesus. We give you our worship, oh God. Oh, you who walk through the doors. You, oh God, 
Oh, who showed your nail-pierced hands and your side. I want to call out to you and say, my Lord and my God. Oh, tell him that. My Lord and my God. Hallelujah, I choose you today. I choose to be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can live in this body and not sin. You can live in this world and not be subject to the distractions of this life. You can go on your job and not tell dirty jokes or enter into sin with your coworkers. You do not have to give in to peer pressure. You do not have, some of you have some chaos in your home. Maybe your spouse isn't walking in this. You can and will continue to live for God. You are not bound by your sickness. You are not bound by how your parents raised you. And you are not bound by past depression. You are free. And it is your choice to make today if you want to wander back into it. Or you can choose to be free. God bless you. Come back here in 10 minutes. I choose to be free. Hallelujah.